You're listening to the Leadership Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Carriger. On this podcast, we discuss what successful leaders are doing, saying, and thinking. Now let's dive in. Our guest today is Elizabeth McFall. Elizabeth is the Executive Assistant of Teaching and Learning for the Oak Ridge Schools in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. In addition, Elizabeth holds numerous professional certifications and is a frequent presenter, including Dare to Lead, the Five Languages of Appreciation at Work, and International Association of Administrative Professionals, Certified Administrative Professionals, an IAAP Endorsement in Organizational Management, and another uh, uh, IAAP uh, recognition with the leadership uh, as a leadership academy graduate. Elizabeth, welcome to Leadership Upside. Hi, Chuck. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you today. I'm excited to talk about a field that's near and dear to my heart, um, administrative support. Awesome. Elizabeth, before we discuss your work, tell us a little bit about yourself, including your professional background. Yeah, so I am actually entering my 28th year in the administrative support position for the last 20 years. I have um, been assigned um, a one-on-one executive role within the Oak Ridge Schools, which has been amazing and rewarding. Um, I'm super excited to be able to talk about this profession today um, because I've had some great mentors and leaders that I've learned from along the way. Um, which I really appreciate that support. And I want to recognize for Administrative Professionals Week um, all of the, the hard work that administrative assistants do in all industries across the country. Um, myself, I have been married for 27 years. My husband and I uh, moved to Tennessee from Wisconsin in 2001. Um, he is a small business owner um, and he concentrates on 3D printing, product development, and supporting other small businesses as inventors get a lot of really cool, interesting projects through that, um, that business. Um, yeah, I think that brought me to Oak Ridge schools, um, 20 years strong. So here we are. All right. Well, fantastic. I bet you don't miss the Wisconsin winters unless you're just someone who loves the cold and snow. Um, no, I love when we get snow here, but I'm happy that it doesn't stay for weeks. <laughs> Elizabeth, as you know, administrative professionals are often essential members of high-performing organizations. In your experience, what are the skills and qualities most frequently found in exceptional administrative professionals? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the role of, of executive assistant, just in the time that I have been in this profession, has changed drastically. Um, and continues to change rapidly um, all the time. So there was a time that the main the main function of an executive assistant would be that they um, had fast typing skills. Um, they could answer the phone. They did very clerical, um, important, but fairly basic administrative tasks. So over time, that has changed into um, technology skills are are more assumed at this point for many executive assistant roles. Um, the main job of an assistant is to make their executive look good. And that takes many forms. So some of the the ways that the position has morphed over the years, just in my 20 years in my role. And I'll note that when I started in 2001 um, with my organization, my job um, then looks drastically different than it is now. It's the same position, same office, but the actual day-to-day operations and responsibilities are very different and that has changed partially with changes in um, 
educational expectations, educational law, federal programs, um, and then just the natural growth of our organization, how our um, our purposes have morphed and, and grown over the years. So one of the things that I found most important um, in my role is that I really consider myself um, a strategic partner with my executive. Um, and that that doesn't happen quickly. That takes time to develop. That takes communication and conversation. That um, that takes understanding what's important to your executive, what their goals are. Um, and that can be over the course of a year, more long range goals, or it can be meeting with them on a weekly basis to find out what's on their schedule for that week, what their focus areas are, even for that day. Those quick check-ins are really important. Um, even if it's you know 10 or 15 minutes on a Monday morning, it's really important just to set the tone for the week so that um, executive assistants understand um, the work of the, the week. <clears throat> Another thing that um, I think is really important now is that assistants are, um, as John Gordon talks about in the energy bus, the chief, ener chief energy officer. And I think that sometimes assistants don't um, consider seriously enough the, the responsibility and power that they have to set the tone for their, their department, their team, their school, their organization. Um, assistants play a significant role in, in support their executive in being confident communicators with all members of the organization, their team. Um, that's, that's super important. All right. Uh, very good. Uh, I have a couple of follow-ups uh, to that. And, and uh, I would have to say also in appreciation and recognition of Administrative Professionals Day, how fortunate I have been in different stages of my career to have exceptional administrative professionals who, in your words, uh, help me uh, look good at times. They uh, partnered with me uh, to help me be successful. And I am so grateful for uh, the role they played and really saw them as a partner uh, with me in those professional endeavors. Um, and as an executive coach and someone who's frequently interacting with, with uh, leaders in different sized companies, and there is typically an administrative professional who is uh, uh, with that company, sometimes in a one-on-one -on -one capacity, sometimes uh, perhaps supporting a group of people. Nonetheless, some, uh, sometimes, Elizabeth, I observe that partnership to have such a great dynamic. There is an obvious mutual respect. There is an obvious um, understanding of roles. Uh, this is my role. That's your role. But there's also a real teamwork. And then there are other times I see a dynamic and there is a lack of teamwork or um, the communication seems difficult or strained. Uh, you already mentioned uh, the the check-ins and how that sets people up for a great week and the, and the strategic aspect of that. But just off the cuff, um, what are the handful of factors that you've observed when there's a real teamwork aspect um, and when there uh, maybe is less of that? What jumps out to you? Um, yeah, that's that's a great consideration. So one of the things that, that comes to mind first is in a great partnership, and in my experience, I've had in the last 20 years, I've had three. I'm currently on my third executive, so I've been incredibly fortunate to not have high turnover, and I know that that is not the case in many situations. 
So I've had the benefit of, of time to develop that relationship. And I think one of the strategies that I've used that has, has served me well and my executives well is that I am clear about what I know and I'm clear about what that adds to the organization. And I think starting with that foundation, that puts my executive at ease, particularly when they're new to the role, um, that they're not alone. Because sometimes, as I'm sure many of, of your listeners know, being an executive can be kind of a lonely a lonely role. When you're the one in charge, um, sometimes people ask act differently. Um, they're not as open with you. So the, the advantage I have is they are open with me. So I have a unique insight into the pulse of the organization um, and having that relationship already with my executive, I can then be selective about, hey, like, you know, you really need to know this is happening or other things I can kind of handle um, in a different way and not burden the executive. But I think um, having that open communication um, is is hugely important. Um, it's critical to, to the success of any relationship. Um, I think also understanding what the focus of the work is, the focus of the work of the executive and the organization as a whole. Mm. Um, I think I know in in my organization, um, being in education, I'm in the administration office, and sometimes it's easy to forget who our customer is because I don't see children every day. Um, I hear from teachers every day, but I don't always see children. And so um, one way to stay connected to the mission of our work and to support my executive in the curriculum work and federal programs and the work of our department is to actually spend time in the schools. So I've had the opportunity to volunteer in schools on a weekly basis with a student, um, which gives another unique perspective into um, potential barriers that our teachers um, are facing. And then I can communicate and problem solve back with, with my team. Um, which I think that just builds stronger partnerships. And it's a customer service mindset, really. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, even though I don't see students every day, my my goal and responsibility is to graduate students who are ready for college, career, and life. Um, the way I go about that happening looks different. And I think that um, understanding that value that I bring to the organization and that assistance bring to the organization um, is really important in having everyone be successful. That's super cool. I happened, uh, what you said, uh, I happened to hear um, the director of schools in Oak Ridge, Dr. Borcher, speak recently, and he used the exact same phrase you just used about preparing students for uh, career, life, future uh, opportunities. I didn't say it as well as you did, but I recognize the two of you said the exact same thing. And I think that's compelling when you think about uh, all organizations are better when there's alignment, when everyone in the organization understands the business we're in. You use that phrase, and I can distinctly remember a COO of a company uh, we were meeting. I was, um, we were in a discussion, and they were expressing their disappointment and frustration with someone in their organization who they their perception was. They don't understand the business we're in. Uh, that was their comment to me is, Chuck, they just don't understand the business we're in. And I think uh, for someone who is uh, in the educational space but doesn't work directly with students, it would be easy to lose sight of, hey, what is the, what's the business we're actually in? And I love the fact that you and uh, the CEO of the organization used the exact same wording to describe uh, really the business 
you're in. Uh, so I have a follow-up and, and this may be a little bit random. Here's the scenario okay. I want to give you. Okay. Um, your best friend um, is going to be a new uh, executive assistant. They interviewed, they were selected. Um, the manager's already in place and they're coming in new. And they say to you, hey, have you got any suggestions on how to get off to a good start? What would you tell them? Uh, so I have told people this. This is kind of my standard go-to is uh, pay attention to everything because you okay. never know how that information is going to serve you down the road. Pay attention to everything. One of the... Um, it took me a while to actually put this into like a collective, like, oh, this is what I'm thinking about it doing. But I noticed that over time, I started realizing um, how people communicate and how uh, what strategies I could use to get people to reply to email and get me information that I need so that I can move on um, with the work of our organization. So I started paying attention to um, how how people respond to email. If some people don't respond to email, then email is not the way that I I reach out to them. Um, some people are phone call people. Some people are text people. Some people are in-person people. And I think that that, um, that was a, something that I wish I would have known earlier in my career. Oh, that, um, that's great. So, Elizabeth, one of my takeaways from what you said is you are willing to adapt um, your preferred style in a way of communication in a way that best connects to the person you're trying to connect with when at all possible. So, in other yeah. words... Uh, you know, if if uh, uh, your executive is an in-person person and you uh, perhaps are a email person, then you're willing to adapt to what uh, serves them most effectively uh, when at all possible. Let me give you another scenario. And this is the other side of that coin. Let's imagine your neighbor uh, is uh, a business owner and they have just hired um, an administrative professional. And, and let's say that the administrative professional is going to support uh, a group of three uh, senior leaders. And this, uh, um, your neighbor sees you outside and says, hey, Elizabeth, I've just hired a new administrative professional and I really want to help them get off to a good start. What should I do? Yeah, so I actually just had this situation happen, not with my neighbor, but with my brother. <laughs> Um, who um, owns a business and he was hiring an operations manager and he called me and he said, Hey, like, what, what do I need to know? Like, how do I help this person be successful? And I said, um, you need to be as clear as possible about your expectations to set them up for success. Um, in general, um, folks who pursue a career in executive support um, are, are pleasers. They want other people to do well. They want other people to look good. Um, to do their jobs well. So you need to, as the executive, provide them the tools to help them do that. Particularly if it's someone new to the industry, you know, they're not going to know the ins and outs right away. But I would, what I told my brother is you need to do everything you can to set that person up for success and let her know your expectations from the beginning. Uh, partially because then that prevents difficult conversations later on. If the person isn't measuring up to expectations, they can say, well, I didn't realize that was the expectation. So I think that for me, that is the biggest thing is, um, and, and, you know, I'm a, a Brene Brown fan and her um, quote, clear is kind, unclear is unkind is absolutely one of my favorites for a variety of reasons. And I think um, it applies here that, you know, if 
if someone doesn't know what's expected, they can't rise to that level. And then there's just confusion and disappointment. And so I think um, clarifying expectations up front is one of the most important things that I would recommend. Well, before I asked you a question about uh, Brene Brown's work, I, I just want to go back to you. You recommended or mentioned a book earlier from John Gordon that I think is a great book. He's got an entire series of books that are super easy reads, and and each one of them uh, I've gleaned uh, some wisdom from. But you mentioned the Energy Bus, and if anyone's listening and they haven't read that, uh, it's a great vacation book. It's an easy read. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, Elizabeth, you mentioned Brene Brown, and you've got so many interesting experiences and certifications and and uh, presentations you've given, but you've done some work with Dare to Lead. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, this is one of my favorite topics. So um, interestingly, in March of 2020, um, a group of four colleagues and I had the great opportunity to participate in Dare to Lead training. And then um, a little thing called a pandemic came along and those plans were drastically changed. So that uh, in-person training switched to a virtual training, um, but it was still, it was fantastic training. And so um, for anyone who is not familiar with Brene Brown, um, one of my, my favorite things she talks about is her definition of a leader. And she defines a leader as, any, as anyone who takes responsibility for finding potential in people and processes. And not only that, but then that person has the courage to develop that potential. And so I think sometimes assistants get stuck in the position of, well, I'm not really, not really a leader. I don't have a title. And um, frankly, I don't buy into that. Um, I love this definition because I think that it's our responsibility as executive support in organizations that that's exactly our job for finding potential in people and processes. Um, and so I love that that is how Dr. Brown decide, uh, defines a leader. So the work that we did um, in our district, um, we started with a team of administrators and then we branched out to a, a professional learning experience with about 30 teachers um, last school year. And we met every month and um, just went through the book and kind of broke it down and provided a safe space to have some really hard conversations. Um, one of the things that Brene talks about in the book is that vulnerability is a scary word for so many people. And I think prior to this work, I would have said, yeah, vulnerability is weakness and it's like, it's not desirable. Um, and after going through this experience, I now realize that you can't get to so many good things without rumbling with vulnerability, as she calls it. Um, out of vulnerability come things like joy um, empathy, creativity, innovation, things that any organizational leader would say, yeah, we definitely want that in our, in our organization. Um, deeper human connection. You know, I don't know anybody, particularly in this time, who, who isn't craving deeper human connection. And so this work was integral to that. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a, a fantastic experience. Um, yeah, and I think for me, as I was thinking about this um, conversation with you today, I really I dotted a few notes and what really stood out to me was what my priority is um, the em employee experience. Like it's very important to me that employees have um, a, a place they can come to work every day that they feel a sense of belonging. They feel a sense of worthiness. Um, they understand the value that they add. And, and Brene's work fosters so much of that, um, both in a, in adults, and also I think about in, in our students, which was one of the conversations that we had with teach classroom teachers. Um, 
you know, a lot of times students misbehave because they're experiencing a feeling that they can't recognize. They can't name that emotion. They don't know what to do with those feelings. So a lot of times you'll have kids who are considered the bad kid or kids who are always in trouble. Um, when I think actually it's they're having a feeling and they don't know how to name and they don't know how to respond to it. So I think also there are a lot of adults who never learn those skills of what that feeling is and how to name it and how to respond to it. So part of what we did in this work is actually pausing to think about what our bodies are telling us when we are frustrated, when we are experiencing shame, when we are anxious, um, our bodies tell us how to respond, you know, so we need to just pay again, pay attention like that. That's a constant, a constant thread is just pay attention. Like in this situation, your body is telling you physically that you're experiencing a certain emotion. So then you need to draw on previous experience, reminding yourself you've done hard things before you've had this kind of experience before and draw on, okay, when this happened before, this is what I did, or this is what I said. Um, this is who I went to talk to. And I think that's so important um, for kids, but also for adults too. And that was that was pretty central in our conversations um, with classroom teachers and administrators. Uh, Brene Brown's work has been uh, hugely impactful, I think. And the timing of her work in these recent years was just extraordinary in terms of the message she brought uh, forward um, was uh, just seemingly the perfect time for people to be able to hear that and benefit from um, the, her research and work. Uh, I love the the uh, comment, queer is kind, unqueer is unkind. Can you give us her definition for leadership again? I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote it down so I didn't mess it up. Um, so her, her definition of a leader is anyone who takes responsibility for finding potential in people and processes. And then that person has the courage to develop that potential. I love it. Yeah. I love it. What a, um, what a cool journey, uh, that you uh, have been a part of on the dare to lead side. Uh, you're also involved in something called cognitive coaching. Yeah. What is that? So content coaching is new to me this year. And in full disclosure, I have, um, it's an eight-day experience. I've had six of the eight days. So days seven and eight are coming in June. So, um, so far, it's been an amazing experience. Um, and it's something that our organization has, um, all of our principals, assistant principals, and school leadership have been going through this process together. So that's that's been amazing. But um, in summary... Cognitive coaching is different from other types of coaching in that it's not consulting. Um, cognitive coach gets between their client and their thinking. They help mitigate the thinking. Um, they believe the person has the answer and just needs to be asked the right question. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you that on my very first day of cognitive coaching, um, I thought of you because I remember years ago, um, you did some training for our executive assistants and you talked about the power of asking a question and the way that you phrase it. And the one that stands out to me has helped me to understand. And for me, that was a cognitive shift probably 15 years ago um, because that changes the entire perspective of a conversation. It changes the flow when you approach it with, help me to understand. You're assuming positive intent. And that's a piece of cognitive coaching also is you're asking purposeful questions, assuming positive intent, um, being strategic, helping someone um, reflect, plan, and problem solve on their own. 
um, is is huge. It's a, a communications game changer. Uh, asking um, the right question at the right time is such a powerful um, tool and opportunity to really build a bridge uh, with the other person. Um, and I appreciate you you reminding me of that training and that discussion. And I do want to note your tone um, really helped um, communicate your intent to understand more. I think there are times our tone is the central piece. The words only work with the right tone. And with the wrong tone, the same words would be received very differently. And so, um, Outstanding uh, reminder on communication. Uh, another um, uh, training that you've been through or certification that you hold uh, is something called the Five Languages of Appreciation at Work. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, because of my work, I know that there are many people, and research would tell us the majority of people, unfortunately, do not feel appreciated at work. And I'm I'm incredibly curious about these five languages of appreciation at work. Can you tell us about them? Yeah. So what I've learned is that any manager, regardless of industry, is actually in the people business. Um, and as such, every person responds to appreciation and recognition in a different way. So it's really important to be in tune with that. Um, <clears throat> this appreciation at work content is based on the book, The Five Love Languages by uh, Dr. Gary Chapman and Dr. Paul White. And it really unpacks um, the nitty gritty of how to identify the way that your employees feel appreciated and then um, how to respond appropriately so that your employees feel <clears throat> appreciated and valued in ways that are meaningful to them. And that's really the key is that the appreciation is not necessarily in a way that you would prefer to show appreciation. <clears throat> it's being respectful and aware of what's meaningful to the recipient. Very good. Very good. And and what an opportunity for every leader, especially, but really every person in the workplace to be able to express appreciation to our coworkers, our colleagues, those that we uh, are, the stakeholders of our organization, we can express appreciation for their contributions in tangible uh, ways that are meaningful to them. And again, those those four areas I think that you mentioned are affirmation, acts of service, quality time, and gifts. So yes. fantastic. Um, Elizabeth, you are certified by the International Association of Administrative Professionals. What goes into uh, earning that certification? Yeah, so that was a, an experience and process that I went through back in 2013. Um, the IWAP, they call it the CAP exam, um, has a body of knowledge that includes some core content areas. <clears throat> Those include organizational communication, business writing, records management, event and project management, and operational function. And so um, there are courses that you can take to prepare for that. I, um, being economical, chose to just do self-study, which I would probably do again, but it was a much larger investment on time than I anticipated. Um, They provide um, kind of a study guide on what questions will be on the exam. And then um, I just went to town studying and I had college textbooks on management and supervision, um, accounting and leadership, human resources, just a wide variety of 
um, of content. And I love that experience because I have a great appreciation and interest in organizational management and leadership and just how an organization functions. And so that was an awesome opportunity for me to, to go through. So, um, there was an, yeah, there was an exam and then yeah, it's something that you have to recertify every three years, which I think is great because that forces me to stay current, um, in my practice with technology and just or overall business, um, business acumen. Elizabeth, I love your hunger uh, and drive to keep growing, learning, improving. You are a learner. And I think um, of all the qualities I observe in the most elite or highest performers, regardless of their profession, that is a common quality in the most exceptional professionals, regardless of what they do. And so I just want to note um, many of the the professional endeavors that you've invested time in and and effort, and sometimes I'm certain uh, your own re- financial resources, they weren't requirements of your job. They were uh, opportunities that you saw that would help you continue to grow. And so uh, you've set a great example for the rest of us uh, with your commitment to growth. Um, is there anything else you'd like to mention today? Uh, so we touched on it earlier just a little bit. I, I think I just would want to encourage both um, executive assistants and the executives that they support. Um, <clears throat> communication is huge. Um, if you don't have communication, you're not going to have a successful working relationship, and that's going to ultimately um, affect the organization. I think that assistants can truly be um, one of the best investments that an executive makes um, for a strategic partner. It helps them maximize performance. Um, and and drive forward the mission of their career. So I think that's hugely important. I also would like to um, note that some folks, and I, and I think this is, you know, it just, it is what it is. It's not a positive or negative. Um, some choose this um, administrative profession out of necessity. And honestly, when I started, it was out of necessity. My husband was in college and I needed a job. And this is the job that I, that I chose. Um, but over the last 28 years, like this is truly my career. And I love this work. And I think that um, your mindset makes a difference, whether this is just your job or this is a career. Um, That's good. I think it's it's a wonderful career choice for anyone. Yeah, what a great reminder for all of us. Is this just a job or is this a, a, a career where uh, we each have the opportunity, regardless of what we do each day, to make an impact, uh, mm-hmm. to help our organization and be a benefit to, to society? Uh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on Leadership Upside. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leadership Upside, where we discuss what successful business leaders in diverse organizations are doing, saying, and thinking. Today, our guest has been Elizabeth McFall. If you're interested in Elizabeth speaking to your group, you can reach her at E McFall, and I'll spell that M C F A L L at gmail.com, or you can follow her on Twitter at E.A. McFall. Again, on Twitter, it's at E.A. McFall. Until next time on Leadership Upside, I'm Chuck Carringer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Head over to ChuckCarringer.com for more information.